Right. We are in a series. Actually, today we are ending a series that we've been in for a couple of months called Redefined. And the series is based on a book by Arden Bevere called Redefined. And it's, it's um, a book about becoming, uh, taking the labels that the world has put on us and removing those labels and becoming all that God has called us to be, all that he has said about us in his word. And so last week, we talked uh, about being a people who fears God and how we overcome every other fear in our life by understanding and growing in the fear of the Lord. And so today, we're going to summarize basically everything that we've talked about, and we're going to talk about um, the title of the message. It's called The Power of a Thought. The Power of a Thought. And if you remember, all the way back in the beginning of this series, we started with a sermon called The Power of a Word. The power of a word. And taking the words sometimes that we say over ourselves or the words that others say over us and peeling them off and replacing them with the words that God says over us and what God says. And we, we learned that, you know, as a people or as a generation, the world says we're lost. But we are not lost. We're focused. We're found. We're chosen and we're cherished by God. The world would say we are broken, but we are not broken. We are restored for God's purpose. The world would say we are doubtful, but we are not doubtful. We are seeking truth and we are finding answers. The world would say we are regretful, but we are not regretful. We are awakened to our needs and to our future. The world would say we are offended. We are not offended. We are blessed and we live in forgiveness and grace. The world would say we're lacking. We are not lacking. We are made complete by God with everything that we need. The world would say we are addicted, but we are not addicted. We are fighting for freedom in Christ Jesus. The world would say we're discouraged. We are not discouraged. We are hopeful about God's plan for our lives. The world would say we are entitled. We are not entitled. We are grateful for all that we have received. We walk in humility and we choose His grace. The world would say we're fearful. But we are not fearful. We are God-fearing, and we live in intimate closeness with Him. And the whole point that we have been trying to emphasize is that we have been already purchased through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. And we have been given purpose in this life. And that purpose is not to just go to church. That purpose is not just to exist on earth until we get to heaven. That purpose is to bring heaven to earth everywhere we go. When we are at work, we bring heaven with us. When we are at school, we bring heaven with us. And I don't care what legislation has been passed to say you can't publicly pray in school. You bring heaven with you. You do. Because it's in you. And if we do not take those labels off of our lives and replace them with what God says, we will never see our potential. We're just going to try to hang on until Jesus comes back to rescue us from this hell of a planet and take us home. That's not what we have been created for. We have been created to redeem and to restore here and now. And that's what we've been talking about. But that's only going to happen if we start with our thoughts. Remember, we started with the power of a word. Today we're going to talk about the power of the thought. In James chapter 3, 
verse 6. It says, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. It goes on to talk about how no one can control the tongue. And if you get to the place where you control the tongue, you are the perfect man. And the reason for that, we can find in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, in the words of Jesus, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So if it's true that our words determine the course of our life and our words come from our hearts, and you have to understand, biblically speaking, the heart is the, it's, it's the soul, it's the emotions, it's the will, it's even in some sense our subconscious will. It's that inner man, that core of who we are, and it is being renewed day by day. Okay, so if it's true that the, the, the tongue sets the course of our life and the heart or the mind is what controls the tongue, how many of you know we need to be very careful what we let into our hearts? In fact, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines course of your life. In the chapter this week, Arden tells us about two different scientific studies. He references them. And there, he actually references two studies, but there's been thousands of studies done on these two topics. One is the placebo effect. If you understand the placebo effect in the medical community, they have two study groups, both suffering from the same symptoms. One of them is given a medication and one is given a sugar pill. They have found that an overwhelming number of people in the, the sugar pill group who think they're getting medication actually see results and see their symptoms improve by taking a sugar pill. And scientifically, science now tells us the power of the human mind. Okay, so this isn't a self-help book, and this isn't like if you just set your mind on it, you can accomplish anything. But there is a truth here in the Word. That your mind, your thoughts, your heart will actually determine the course of your life. It is far more powerful than we give it credit for. And far too many of us are trying to change our lives without changing our thoughts. And we're not seeing the results that we want to see. And we have to start at the core in our minds. He cites another um, study in the book about our subconscious. And I really did some research on this, found a lot of studies that talk about how our subconscious actually affects our daily lives. And he tells us in the book that only 4 to 6% of the words and actions that we use on a regular basis are the result of a conscious decision. Let me say it again in case you missed it. 4 to 6% of the words and actions that are a part of our daily lives are the actual result of a conscious decision. So in essence, about 95% of what we say and what we do comes out of our subconscious. We do it without even thinking. Which is so important that we take every thought captive. 
because we live from that subconscious. Now, I found a lot of studies that say a lot of different percentages, but I'm gu- I guarantee you all of them agree that the overwhelming majority of our words and our actions are not determined by conscious decisions that we are making on the spot. They're determined, Christian, non-Christian alike, by our subconscious. What we have let dwell in our minds, sometimes without even being aware, it's getting in there. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Pastor John already alluded to this. May the God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are spirits. Our spirits, when we put faith in Christ, when we agree with God's word that we have broken God's standard of righteousness, and we, as a result of that, deserve death, we deserve hell, we deserve eternal punishment. But when we believe that Jesus came in our place and he died as a substitute for us, and we put confidence in what he has done for us, and we begin to follow after him. We confess him as Lord. So we admit we've sinned, we believe in the death of Jesus, and we commit to serve him, to do things his way. Okay, Not just, hey, I want your sacrifice, I want your forgiveness for my sins, but I'm still going to do things my way. That's not the gospel. The gospel is, I'm done doing things my way because they're broken, and so I'm going to start doing things your way. And so when we come to that place Our spirits are born again. They're brand new. Our soul, our mind, our thoughts, our will, our our words, our decisions, they are being renewed by the work of the Spirit within us. They're not cleaned up right away. I don't know about you, but I've been saved for a long time, and there's still some days I say things I shouldn't say. I do things I shouldn't do. There are things that I want to do that I just don't do, and I should do them. The Apostle Paul actually says that too. He says, man, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't do, don't want to do, I actually do. Who will set me free from this? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ who sets me free. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So as our soul is being renewed day by day, that means we have to take ownership for it. And we, the way we renew our minds or our lives is by renewing our minds. <clears throat> that comes to us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. How are we transformed? By a prayer line at church? No. Our spirit is. Our spirit is made new the moment you put faith in Christ. But how is our life actually transformed? How do people see a change in our behaviors? How do people see change in in the words that we use? By renewing our minds. Changing what we think about and what we allow to get access to our minds. When we do this, when we renew our minds, when we're transformed, we're able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing And his perfect will. Behavior modification is not enough. Now, don't get me wrong. I think discipline is important in our lives. When we know God's word says something, we should try to put some parameters on our lives. We should try, if we're struggling with a porn addiction, we should put some safeguards on our electronic devices. We should have accountability in our lives. But here's the thing. It's not about just behavior modification. 
we need to go to the root. So even as I try to modify my behavior, I have to get to the place where I'm letting my heart and my mind be renewed. And if I do not set a filter over my heart and a filter over my mind, if I just let everything in, if I just dwell on the negative, if I just dwell on my past mistakes, if I just dwell on the hurts that I've experienced in my life, if I just dwell on all of the things about my job that I don't like, I will not reap the, a harvest of peace, of joy, of hope. It's not going to happen. And the fact that I'm trying to modify my behavior on top of it will make me the most miserable person ever. And I believe this is why so many Christians were just are miserable people. They're just cranky and tired because we're trying to change our behavior. We can't change our behavior, but we're not actually going after the root. If we would be honest about what we let dwell in our minds on a regular basis, how in the world would we expect to see peace, hope, joy, and love flow out of our lives with all of that junk going around in here? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, this isn't on the screen, but this is where the Apostle Paul tells us that we have the mind of Christ. The moment we get we get saved, we become a believer. We have the mind of Christ. We have access to it, I should say. It's just not automatic. If we don't pay attention to how we are living our lives or what we're thinking about, it's not just going to happen. It's not just going to happen because we attend church every Sunday. It's not just going to happen because I get a version Bible reading plan and I do it every day. It's going to happen when I also continue to meditate on His Word day and night. When I continually set my mind and set my thoughts on God, on His ways. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I have to make sure that daily, moment by moment, I am not letting myself dwell on things that are not Him. Because if I do, it will produce not Him in my actions and not Him in my words. I will not bring the kingdom at work if I have sat at home and griped about my boss and griped about my coworkers and griped about my work policies and griped about this job and I wish I could get out of this dead-end job. If God has put you in that job, then you need to get His thoughts for your job and you need to bring heaven to that job and you need to start being the solution there. Our job is not to complain about the earth. It's about, to, it's about bringing heaven to earth. This is who we've been created to be. And all of the potential that we have talked about over the last, the last several weeks, there is nothing impossible for God unless you and I will not cooperate with Him. Then He will not violate, and it's not impossible for Him to violate our free will. He's just chosen not to. Now, He will be relentless in trying to get us to start agreeing with His principles, but He will not violate our choices. And if we want to get off that treadmill of life where we're just tired of going in circles, we have got to change the way we think. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Okay, you already, by putting faith in Christ, have been raised with Christ. You've been transferred into His kingdom. Okay, that's already done. So since that's done, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That word set means to continuously and actively set your mind, fix your mind. That means it's not going to happen just because you prayed a prayer once or just because you pray at the beginning of the day. That word in the Greek, I love the Greek language because it's way better than English because it tells us this is a present tense active imperative verb. That means it's continual. It's something we have to keep doing. It's a command. It's, it's just it, we have to take it and do it. And we can because we have been seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. We've been given the power to do it. We just now have to make the choice to do it. And I promise you, I do not sit here today telling you, this is easy, so let's do it. I'm telling you, this is essential, but it's probably the hardest thing you will ever do in your life. Because our thoughts and our world around us try to take our minds to the worst possible place every single time. It's easy to look at something and find everything that's wrong with it. It's difficult to look at something and see what God is doing in it and start blessing it and start bringing heaven to it and start being the solution in it. That's difficult, but that's our calling and that's why we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Look at it from this tense. Those who live according to the flesh. Okay, so those whose actions are fleshly, which Galatians tells us what they are, you know, what the fruit of the Spirit is versus what the, the acts of the flesh are. Anger is an act of the flesh, outbursts of anger. Uh, sexual immorality is an act of the flesh. Dissensions, fighting, quarreling, complaining, all acts of the flesh. So, those who live according to the flesh, look at this, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Did you really, did, the thing is, this is so simple. Like, it's so clear from the Scripture. <laughs> it's just so hard. In our daily lives. This is why he puts it at the end of the book. And it whets our appetite for this potential for you to be a world changer. And then he's like, but you've really got to do, you got to go to battle for your mind. You've got to go to battle for your mind. Those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. I'll say it again, and I'll probably say it again. We cannot sow negative thoughts and reap the peace of God impossible if we sit and dwell and we sit and talk about negative what what is wrong with every person what is wrong with everything what is wrong 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 peace will not come from that I don't know about you but I have never had a day in my life where I have complained and griped about either myself someone else or a situation and walked away from that feeling like man God is so good it doesn't happen. I walk away from that feeling anxious. I walk away from that feeling frustrated. I walk away from that feeling angry. And so do the people around me. I am not bringing heaven to earth. I cannot let my mind dwell on what is in the past. I can't keep rehearsing past mistakes that I've made. Oh, I'll never measure up. I'll never be good enough. I'll never. Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you are right. And if you continue to rehearse your past mistakes, for goodness sake, confess your past mistakes. Absolutely. Humble yourself before the Lord and confess. You should. You must. That's the only way to be forgiven. But if you keep dwelling on it, you will not start walking in victory. That's not the path to victory. 
That's the path to death. We cannot rehearse the past hurts of what people have done to us and then reap joy and hope about our future. We can't keep speaking what's wrong with our job, our spouse, our family, our city, our nation, and not think that that's going to have an effect on what we do. It's our subconscious. We don't even realize the seeds of discontent that are being planted in our own hearts from the thoughts that we allow to dwell in our minds. What we watch, what we listen to, it all has an effect on us. I, I will just tell you now, you, if you spend a lot of time every single day watching news reports and reading news reports, you will not have peace, joy, hope, and love flowing out of your life. Now, I'm not telling you don't be informed. Absolutely to be informed. I'm, I try my best to be informed, but I get my information from sources that do not cause the spirit of the world to rise up within me. And people without the spirit of God, I don't care if they follow principles in this book, if they don't have the spirit of God, they don't have the mind of God. And so if they're reporting the news to me, I'm not getting my information from the spirit of God. I'm getting it from them. And I got to make sure if I'm going to do that, I filter it through the spirit of God. Otherwise, all I'm going to do is complain and get negative and get and there it is. Whatever television shows we watch, whatever music we listen to. And don't get me wrong, I know we grew up hearing, I grew up hearing, you can't listen to any secular music, you can't go to any secular movies, everything is bad, everything is, I'm not going to tell you everything is bad. But I am going to tell you to pay attention to everything that goes in. Because stuff goes in that we, and the enemy can try his best to get stuff in there, and so he will put seeds of discontent through what you watch, through what you listen to, even through your, the conversations your friends have. Be very careful when you give other people advice. Be very careful that you do not sow seeds of discontent. Well, I don't know how you stay at that job. Before you ever tell someone, I don't know how you stay in that job. I don't know how you stay in that city. I don't know how you stay in that community. I don't know how you stay in that state. Oh, man, that, that governor of Minnesota, man, he, I, I don't even know how you stay there. Well, let me tell you something. You better find out whether God has called them to live in Minnesota because my God needs people in Minnesota. My God needs people in California. My God needs people in Arizona. And I don't care what governor is the governor of the state. My God needs people there. And so if they're called there, he has equipped them and empowered them. So do not sow seeds of discouragement into their heart if they're called to be there. Praise the Lord. Um, we have to make sure. <laughs> i try to calm down just a little bit. We have to be sure. I just had a conversation with a friend this week who made a decision years ago, and it affected their life, and they know they should not have made the decision. They didn't pray about it. They didn't ask the Lord about it. It was, it was all concocted in their mind. And now they, God has helped them even recognize the seeds of discontentment that were sown in their heart by friends because of, you know, you got to make this decision. And they never really even realized those seeds were being planted there until now. Our, our subconscious, I don't know if it's 95% or not, but I guarantee you what you let in. So when people try to give you advice, filter it. And as spirit-filled advice givers, be quick to listen, not just to the person, but to the spirit, and slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I love you, sister. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 talks about these weapons of our warfare that we have been given, and they are for taking every thought 
and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. We have to stop counseling people to choose the path of least resistance. I mean, if your job is, if, I mean, you're in a job that, man, that, that's a hard work environment. You need to find a, a better job. You need to find a different job. No, 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 no. Not necessarily. Pray. Pray. If God has you where he has you, you need to start taking thoughts and purposes captive to the obedience of Christ. And sometimes the obedience of Christ is to stay in a place that's hard. That's what we do as believers because our role is to bring heaven to earth. But we have to get to the place where we're dwelling on heaven regularly. Because if you're going to go into a hellish environment and bring heaven to it, you can't be on the fence. And I think the church for far too long has tried to be on the fence with our thoughts. We're trying to have the best of the world and the best of the kingdom of God, and we want the best of everything. And God's like, no, you've got to get your mind where my thoughts are. Because the reason that you're cranky at work is no, your thoughts are nowhere near where mine are. The reason you hate the city you live in is because your thoughts are nowhere near where my thoughts are. It's so easy. We talked about this last week. Just this week, I went into a restaurant. And they got my order wrong. I've been to this restaurant a lot. They've never gotten my order wrong before. They were very apologetic. We're sorry. It'll only take five minutes. Do you have five minutes? Yes. Um, and it's just, you know, you're ordering food, taking it out. So I don't leave a tip because, like, it's the food and you didn't really serve it. So, I mean, right or wrong, I just don't usually tip. But I felt like the Spirit said, leave them a tip today. I'm like, the day they got my order wrong, I'm going to leave them a tip. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I'm just going to be nice. But the reason I felt like I left a tip that day is because when I was at my worst, he gave me his best. And my mind would be like, well, if I tip them when they get, make a mistake, they're just going to make more mistakes. And yet, while we were his enemies, he gave us his best. Because when you give people your best when they're at their worst, it causes them to come up to a higher level of living. The human mind says, no, if you give people your best at their worst, then you'll just train them to stay there. That's, that's false. That's false logic. You give people your best. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry about anything. Where do we worry? In our minds. Pray about everything. So every time you're there and you're worrying, you pray until you stop. And Pastor Tom, I might be praying all day. Praise God. <laughs> God might actually start implanting worryful thoughts in your mind. Just, I'm just totally kidding. God does not give us worrisome thoughts. That was a joke and it was a bad one. So <laughs> just dismiss that. Set Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So how do we get this peace that exceeds what we can understand? We pray about everything, we tell Him what we need, and we thank Him for what He's done. And then His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Here it is, one final thing. Fix, by the word, by the way, that word fix right there is an present tense, active, imperative verb. So we already know that means I got to keep doing it, and it's a command. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent, and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you.
If we actually took that verse to heart and every single day we just made it a conscious choice to only fix our thoughts on if it was, is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? If it's excellent and worthy of praise, anything else, I'm taking it captive and getting it out. I'm only going to fix my thoughts on those things. Because I'm going to tell you something. God has solutions for your workplace. God has solutions for our city. God has solutions for our nation. He's got solutions for your relationships. He's got solutions for your family. He's got solutions for whatever it is that you're dwelling on. Guarantee. Daniel and his friends showed us. They, got, they came into the kingdom of Babylon. They didn't complain about Babylon. They didn't tell Babylon they weren't going to do it. And yet they just followed God. They just stuck to the plan. They just obeyed him the best they could. And God made them ten times smarter than anyone around them. Ten times smarter than anyone around them. God could make you ten times more productive in your workplace than any of the employees around you if you start fixing your thoughts on his thoughts, because his thoughts are higher. So you're going to start getting ideas that no human's going to get because the Spirit of God is going to give them to you. This is the potential that lies in us. You're going to get ideas and creativity for how to fix a relationship that's been broken forever when you stop rehearsing the negative and you stop rehearsing the mistakes that person has made and you get your thoughts fixed on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. And God is going to download things into your mind that you need. That's what I believe. A, a few years ago, I wrote something in the back of my Bible. I write things that are super impactful in the back of my Bible. And Bill Johnson said something to me, not to me, <laughs> I wish. Okay, he said it to me. <laughs> you know, he was talking to everyone else too, but it was me. Um, and he said this. He said, you need to ask yourself, do my words line up with my prayer life? And then he said, do my thoughts line up with my prayer life? In other words, am I praying for God to move in a situation, but yet my words and my thoughts are the exact opposite of what I'm asking God to do? We will not reap a harvest if we do not sow the right seeds. Just this last week, I posted, I'll close with it. I have a quote I want to share, and I'll close with this story. Um, but I was watching a video by John Bevere. It's a five-minute video. It's on my Facebook page. I, I'd encourage you to watch it. It's great. It's about complaining. And uh, he talks about how God hates it and where it is in the word and how it shows. I mean, in the same passage of Scripture, complaining and sexual immorality are in the same thing, and God hates them both. And uh, it's just, and I've always known this, and he talks about how their family has, they've raised their kids not to complain, and they, they fight against complaining. And he said, one day, <laughs> I was, you know, I woke up and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, because I, I, he felt like he was doing a good job, you know, not complaining. And uh, he said, I woke up one morning and the Holy Spirit said, I see those complaints in your thoughts. And I'm like, dear Lord, I can't even complain in my thoughts now. Like I was thought I was doing so good when I just kept my mouth shut. And now you're telling me I got to get my thoughts in the right place. And I'm like, why am I watching this video this week? See, it's not enough to not just let it come out of our mouths. I mean, yeah, that's a great place to start. But if we do that, if we just, I'm just going to keep it, I'm just going to complain in my head, let me tell you something, that's like a dam ready to burst. And eventually, you're going to lose control of that, bam, and all of it's going to come out. But we got to go after the heart. 
And so the complaining in my thoughts, man, I got to cut those things off too. And so it was encouraging. Um, it just, man, it's just I'm like, God, help me. I mean, if you ever wanted to be more dependent on God, just watch that video. It'll do it. All right, I want to close with this quote from Arden um, because this basically summarizes everything we've talked about. And here's his prayer. And then I'm going to pray over us today this same prayer. My prayer is that we will not be a generation defined by past labels, but by God's calling to bring hope, healing, and change wherever we go. We will be a generation redefined by who God says we are. We will take hold of all that He has for us. We will step into our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. We will be a voice for the people around us. We will be a generation that goes further than any before us because we're fully immersed in the knowledge of God and committed to the journey ahead. Our world needs us. If we step into who we are in Jesus, the world will see his nature revealed through us. We are the light of the world, and it's time for us to embrace that calling. May we be a generation that's known for signs and wonders, justice and mercy, truth and grace, and adventure and fearlessness. May we be known as sons and daughters of God. All right, I want you to put your hands out in front of you, and I want to pray that same blessing over us today. And so, Father... I pray that you would help us to take all of these things that we have talked about, all of these things that you have shown us over these last several weeks. God, we want to we begin to apply them to our lives. We want to be, we want to live as sons and daughters of God. We already are as sons and daughters of God because of the faith that we put in Jesus, but we want to live like it. God, we want to live like it in our schools. We want to live like it in our workplaces. We want to live like it in the restaurants with terrible service. God, we want to live like it in our families and in our, in our homes. God, we want to live like this everywhere. Holy Spirit, we need your help. We need your help to put that filter over our minds today. God, we don't want to allow any type of thing to just filter in to our subconscious that's going to start setting the standard for how we're going to think, what we're going to say, what we're going to do. God, we want our minds to be fully surrendered to you today. Train us, Holy Spirit, to use the powerful weapons that you've given us to take every thought captive, to even recognize the thoughts that are coming into our minds through things that we're listening to, things that we're we're feeding our, our eyes upon. God, even conversations, advice that other people are giving us. God, I pray that you would help Restoration Church to rise up in these last days into the calling that you have for us. God, to fulfill that calling, to bring heaven to the city of Huron, to the city of Redfield. God, to, to Beetle County, to any community that you call us to impact. God, we want to see heaven come. Every word, every action, every thought, fully submitted to you. Help us to set our minds continually on you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, what a powerful word. I've also heard that said, we can't afford to have a thought in our head that God does not have in his head. Because, because the thoughts that Christ has is always thoughts of restoration He's always advocating for us. He's always in our corner cheering us on, believing the best 
against your worst enemy and against your best friend. His thoughts are unanimous. He believes the best of us. I'm so thankful for that word. It's, it's so good. What we renew our minds in um, will, de- will oftentimes determine where we're heading in life. I'm going to invite my wife to come out. And we just, we wanted to share just a quick life update with you guys. Um, how many of you guys know that we uh, plan our course, but God directs our steps? And uh, I'm grateful for that um, because uh, it's, a, it's a marriage of co-laboring with the Lord. It's, it's his plan. We, we say, God, this is what we want or this is what we like. But God ultimately says, this is where I need you. This is where I want you. This is where you are going to serve best. We wanted to give you a, just a life update, what's going on in our life. Um, about a month and a half ago, we got a phone call um, from a pastor from Aberdeen Freedom Church. And they asked if we would consider praying into coming and serving as their uh, youth and kids ministries and family ministries uh, pastor. And it was very surprising. It kind of came out of nowhere. And we're, I've always felt like this is home and we're here for the long haul. You, some of you guys know the story from Judah. Judah's buried out here at Riverside Cemetery. And, and when, we b- when we bought his plot, we bought our own plots because we figured this is, this is probably where we're going to um, probably going to do a lifetime of ministry and probably be buried here. So our hearts are so much in Huron. We love Restoration Church, and we love, um, of course, Pastor Tom and Christy, and love you guys. We just love love all of the relationships. Long story short, we've as we've been praying into this, we just have been sensing more and more that God is leading us to Freedom Church. Um, this um, this actually late spring, we're going to be transitioning. Um, by June one, we're going to be moving to Aberdeen. And uh, I'm glad that it's only 90 miles because we can still connect one way or the other. But I'm going to have Heather share uh, just a few thoughts. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to say quickly just how thankful I am for this church body. And um, we've been here for about eight years. And uh, you guys accepted us from day one and, and loved us through all of our <laughs> weaknesses and um, every struggle that we went through. You guys were there for us. So... Um, we're, we're going through a lot of, um, emotional times right now, but, um, we really do feel like God is moving us on and, um, and I told, I told a friend yesterday, I, (laughs) I, I fully believe God is making room here for somebody that's bigger and better and, um, he has great, great things for Restoration Church and, um, so yeah, just love you guys all so much. Yeah, the we. I remember uh, th- there's there's some of you guys actually were the individuals who came to Ellendale, my hometown, and you came and actually moved us to Huron. And uh, to you, just thank you, thank you for believing us, thank you for investing into us. I feel like, um, I felt like as we were praying into it, the Lord was saying, um, "There's no way that I could have moved you anywhere without some of the fundamentals that you needed to learn, being at this church, serving alongside of you guys." And just being influenced um, by one another. And specifically, Pastor Tom is someone that I have, um, I would consider him a best friend. I would consider him a mentor, a leader. Um, he's a teacher. He's a pastor. He's, um, he's many things to me and Heather. Um, you know, sometimes people leave a church because there's um, hurt feelings or offense or anything like that. Man, that just can't be farther from the truth. Um, it's, it's in the extreme meaning of these words. 
um, extreme bittersweetness. We feel the bitterness of leaving our family, but we feel the sweetness of, of what is to come, both for this church and for that church. And um, we're not going with the mindset that uh, we're, you know, it's greener on the other side of the fence, and we're not certainly not leaving because we feel like we have all these amazing gifts that we have to offer. We simply believe that, that the next part of this journey, the next chapter it, for the Mullen clan is in Aberdeen at Freedom Church. And as Heather already said, um, the best days are yet to come for Restoration Church. Uh, we have strong conviction of that, and our, and our connection and our relationship will continue. Even though we move on, our relationship will continue. And um, um, I just want to say a big thank you to all of our friends who have invested into us. Uh, all of, uh, I've, never, um, I've never been so close to some of you. You guys have had us over for supper. We've done the same for you. And and um, I, I guess the, the one of the biggest things that we have felt throughout this time is uh, when we lost Judah and how much you guys brought us in and cared for us. Um, I've never experienced comfort to that degree before, and we're thankful for that. Um, I think about, like, all of the, the youth events that we've done, the kids' ministry events that we've done, M- my goodness, um, city events. And um, just rubbing shoulders with you guys. Um, I have so much, I'm I'm leaving with so many memories of you, and I feel like, um, I feel like, again, uh, this next step for us, this next journey for us, um, we don't necessarily see it as a, um, it's not like a job promotion by any means. We see it as just being in God's will. And we we know that without you guys, um, we wouldn't be ready for this transition. We're, we're part of the, the, we're all part of the story together, and um, you guys have our cell phone, I haven't changed it in over a decade, and I'll continue to make that available to you guys anytime, because you're a dear family of ours, and, um, and we love you guys, we are grateful for you, uh, you can't put into words in a, in a two-minute slot at the end of service, all that, all that you guys mean to us, but truthfully, you guys will always be family, and um, and every victory we have in the future is yours, too, because we're doing this together. Amen? Amen. Well, cool. I'm going to have Pastor Tom come out. He's going to share a couple closing thoughts. All right. So <coughs> there's an old saying that says the only person who really likes change is a baby with a dirty diaper. And so I have found that to be true in my life. And uh, change is never fun. And it is hard. And... Um, you know, oddly, yesterday, I don't know if you got the notification, but yesterday was our eight-year free anniversary on Facebook. And uh, so I got the notification, and I thought, how ironic that eight years ago we started this journey and this conversation. And we are so grateful for what God has done in the eight years, uh, what he has put into our church and our DNA through Pastor John and Heather. Um, as he said, they're not just ministry partners. Uh, we feel like they've become friends maybe even become family, and uh, they are moving to a new location, but they will always be family. And so we know that God has something in store for our future. We don't know what that is, and so I want to invite you to stand as we close service in prayer today, and I just want you to begin to pray over this next month. Pray for the Mullins during this transition time. Uh, There's a lot that they're going to have to do, and it's going to be a stressful time for them, and we want to bless them in going out, and uh, pray for us as a leadership team. 
for what comes next. We don't know exactly what that is, but I know someone who already has it all figured out. And uh, we're just going to wait for him to kind of download to us what we need to do. And so let's have a word of prayer for them and for our church. So, Father, thank you for God. Thank you for this family. Thank you for their willingness to come here and to to plow, to plant, God, to sow, to water, to do all of the things that they have done during this eight years. God, literally to to learn new things, to grow in new ways, God, to to just establish in the DNA of this church so many things, so many things about who you are, your character, your nature. God, all that you have brought uh, into our lives. And I just pray blessing over the next few weeks. God, as there are so many tasks that need to be done, I pray for peace to just settle on their hearts. God, settle on their minds. God, that there would just be a clarity to be able to, to easily just begin to take things off of that list, that things that need to get done would be able to get done smoothly. God, redeem their time in every single way. I pray for this transition period, God, that as they step into something brand new, God, that you just give them favor with the people of Freedom Church, favor with the people of Aberdeen. God, I just pray blessing over every one of their lives. God, their children, God, that their their friendships would be quick in, the, in Aberdeen. God, that they would just find themselves easily able to adjust in every way. And so, God, I pray for our church. I pray for Restoration Church today and ask, God, for your direction and your peace to settle on each and every one of our hearts. God, knowing that you're standing over us, you always have stood over us, you hold everything together. God, that's who you are. And we fully trust you. We fully yield to you in every way. Holy Spirit, just direct us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Don't forget the offering baskets out in the lobby. Um, help fund today, and then the hosts are going to come dismiss you row by row, and then when you can't social distance, please choose a mask. God bless you as you go.